Hey, this is Greg McAfee, and welcome to The Greg McAfee Show. Now let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to The Greg McAfee Show, where we discuss steps to successful entrepreneurship, how to take your business to new heights, and ultimately follow your dreams. And today we're going to be discussing how do you know when your leadership style needs a change? Well, you know, I have uh, I've been doing this for 32 years, leading McAfee Heating and Air Conditioning, which I started from scratch in 1990 with $274 in a used truck. About 14 years ago, I started writing articles uh, to national publications, which were accepted which led to, hey, do you do any coaching? Do you do any consulting? Do you do any speaking? All that time, types of things. So we started uh, writing more, coaching more, and holding business boot camps way before HVAC business boot camps were popular. Um, we've had uh, several hundred people come through the training, and hopefully we've helped them take their business to new heights um, and to new levels. So, um, but leadership is, um, you know, it's not, there's very few uh, business owners in the trades that go to college and come out with a leadership or management uh, diploma or degree. Uh, it's just very rare. There are some out there. I've coached some out there because they need, needed to know how do I, now how do I get into the trades? I'm going to buy a business. I've never operated um, a trade HVAC business in this case. And, uh, I've got, I've got all the skills. I've got all the college degrees that I need, uh, but I don't know what I'm doing. And then on the other side of things, you've got guys that are great mechanics, great service techs or great installers, and they start a business. And like myself, I had no idea how to run a business. I just, uh, started taking care of people and, and doing what I thought needed done. But as I took some uh, professional management classes and read some really good leadership books, I learned I, I learned um, a lot of times by error uh, doing, and I learned uh, what not to do or what to do better. And that's how I just continued to improve my leadership. Now, I will tell you this, um, and this is, the, this is the truth for anyone who's been leading for a while, that a lot of times your leadership, most of the time, your leadership has to change. It, it has to um, be tweaked. It has to take on a different style for the generation of people you're leading. And uh, I didn't do that too well. I mean, what worked for me 25 years ago, I mean, it worked, it worked well 25 years ago. And the way we did things and, and how, I, how I managed and how I said things and all that stuff seemed to work okay. But as time went on, it, I, I, like I said, I learned the hard way. It didn't work as well. So I had to change my style. And uh, I'll talk more about that coming up is how I, how, what we're doing today uh, to change the style that works with today's generations uh, who we're leading, okay? So we're going to talk about when do you know that it's time to change your style of leadership? And number one is 
when your existing style is no longer working. Okay. And you have to be aware of that. You have to keep your hand on the pulse. You, you have to have people in place that can help, that are not afraid to tell you what you're doing is not working. Uh, so you're, you're either going to have lack of progress or you're going to be hitting a lot of roadblocks. And I've been there, done that. And uh, I'd just rather not do it again. Uh, it's, not, it's no longer fun. Um, one, one thing that uh, really helps a leader is um, to admit when they're in trouble, to, to admit when they're um, not making progress or to admit when they're hitting some roadblocks. Um, I may have told this story before, but I, but I knew a guy, his first name was Gary, and Gary was like a guru of bicycles. Uh, he worked for a very large uh, manufacturer of bicycles for a long time, worked his way up the ladder, knew, knew everything about bicycles, knew the business of bicycles. So Gary decided to start his own bicycle shop right here in Dayton, Ohio, where who was from? The Wright Brothers. And the Wright brothers had a bicycle shop and they made their own bicycles um, probably before they, they got into the airplane business. Okay, uh, first to flight, right? Dayton, Ohio. Um, but anyway, so Gary started his business and uh, boy, it took off and it really did. He, um, he, he actually got a, um, he got a license to use the Wright brothers name for this bike. Uh, eventually, and uh, was duplicating a Wright Brothers bike, which was really cool. Um, he decided to move his business from Dayton to a suburb of Dayton, which was a little bit more um, wealthier and such, and a great facility there and all that stuff. But Dayton is known for, Wright Brothers is known for bicycles, and he was like down in a great area for that. But I, I, we were friends and I kept asking him how's business. And I couldn't even get the business word out of my mouth where he would say, awesome, it's going great. And I would always think, how can it be going great? Because my business is not always great. Sometimes my business is great. And other times my business is, is sucky. And sometimes I'm doing things wrong. And sometimes it's not making the money it needs to make. Or sometimes it's not being as productive. And sometimes we're hiring wrong people and sometimes we're not keeping the right people and all that kind of stuff that goes into business. Business is not easy. You know, it's not, it's not always great. And when you, as soon as you can admit that, the uh, faster you can actually start growing and prospering. But every time I ask him, how's it going? Great. It's going great. Well, needless to say, Gary closed his business down and, and moved out of the state like that. And I drive by the facility he was working at a lot of times and I go, wow, what a, what a missed opportunity. I mean, what a missed opportunity. Um, maybe lack of counsel, maybe um, a big ego, maybe, you know, too confident, maybe not enough experience in a small business. I mean, you can work for a large business and know all about the product. I mean, I can work in a, um, you know, a heating, heating and air conditioning plant. Um, but that doesn't, you know, mean that I know everything about running a heating and air conditioning company. 
And then I thought about a lot of guys, you know, they put on a show on social media and we've got these uh, sites that people just brag it up about how fast they're growing and, and killing it and doing all this uh, stuff. Um, and I say great and wonderful. I hope everybody kills it. I hope everybody does well. But sometimes where the rubber meets the road is inside that business. And sometimes it's a lot of show. And sometimes there's no, I never hear about anybody struggling. I'll tell you, if it was that easy, folks, everyone would own their own business. It's not that easy. And there's a large percentage of people that go under every single year after the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth year in business. And sometimes between the fifth and the 10th, that's why there's a very, very small portion that make it to the 10th year. So we can sit around and brag about how good we are running a business, but sometimes it just has to do with where you're at, the climate, and, and, what, and what your prices are, and a need in that area that just happened to boom uh, demographically, and you just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And again, that's great and wonderful. I, I wish it could happen to all of us, but that's not reality. I read some of those and I'll be honest with you, I, I, it makes me gag because I know that's not reality. And out of the, the small um, amount of hundreds is a small amount for compared to some people who, you know, coach and, and do this on a regular basis full time, a, a few three or 400 people of, that I've coached, I, I just have never coached anyone that just kill it out of the start, you know? Every race I watched during the Olympics, every race I watched, it was won almost in the last lap. You know, it's it's the it's the final. Let's kick it in here, and it's it's never won on the first lap, and it's not reality. Guys or girls from the back end up winning the race. Okay, so just because you're in the back, just because right now your things aren't going well you can turn that around. You can make some changes today. You can tweak your leadership today. And that's what we're going to talk about. So um, number one is um, lack of progress. Number two is you're noticing uh, frustration in yourself and your team. So that's a good sign you need to change your leadership style. And it starts with us, the leader. When we get frustrated, more than likely everyone else is frustrated. And again, I'll tell you, I've been there, done that. I've been extremely frustrated. But then I got, I started picking up on that people below me were frustrated. And if I'm, and I try to hide it, I do a very good job at hiding my feelings and hiding how I think sometimes um, until I, well, until I let it out. And, and, and we have a, a come to Jesus meeting and I, and I let it out and we've got to change some things. Okay. But in general, I don't walk around here kicking rocks and I'm not weaned on a pickle. I stay very positive. But I noticed one time I was extremely frustrated and my team was too. And I had to fix that because it starts with me. It starts with you. If you're the leader, it starts with you. And um, if the ways you've handled conflict and irritation as a leader aren't overcoming your frustrations, it's time to either adapt, tweak, or change your style. You know, 
What's the definition of doing the same thing over and over again? You get it. Okay, so if we just continue to do the same thing over and over again, we're going to get the same results. So we've got lack of progress and we've got frustration from within. And then we have, um, you find yourself wanting to be served more than serving others. I want you to, it's called the power of the pause. I want to pause on that for a minute. You find yourself wanting to be served more than serving others. When we start the business, we're all about serving. When you hire your, your first person, you're all about serving. When you find your first vendor, you're all about serving. But then all of a sudden, something happens and you, you taste a little bit of success. Now, whether that's the third year in business or the 10th year in business, you start, you taste a little bit of success and it goes to your head and you become comfortable. And then you almost play the role of king, like you've done something great to start this. Uh, we can't, I'll be honest with you guys, we can't do anything on our own. You know, number one, if God didn't allow us to be born, we wouldn't be here. If God didn't allow us to have the talent we have, we wouldn't be here. And if God didn't surround us with smarter people than us, we wouldn't be where we're at today. I, uh, I read a, a new book um, that we can we can put up here on the screen. It's called uh, Three Feet from Gold," and it's an it was I, I did the audio book, and uh, it's based on a true story. And the uh, the author reads the book, um, but if you um, ever have read or watched anything about Napoleon Hill, this story was in his book. Um, about a gold, a gold digger who uh, bought a piece of land for a little bit of nothing, started digging for gold, found the gold, um, invested a lot more because they they thought this was going to be a really big gold rush, and um, when they went back to dig, they lost the vein, and they dug around for several days, and they thought the vein had basically dried up; that was gone. And he ended up selling it to um, this guy who was interested in just, a, he was a handyman and he just ended up buying that piece of property and all the guy's stuff for a little bit of nothing. I mean, you know, $100, which is probably like five or 10,000 today. I don't know. So anyway, what the guy did though, he went and hired a consultant that knew more about the land and gold than he did. And the consultant, they went down into the gold mine and they he pointed out, he said, now sometimes the vein shifts. And the guy said, what? He said, yeah, the vein shifts and it goes another direction. So he said, if you'll dig three feet from where they stopped, you'll probably find it. And sure enough, they hit the vein and it was one of the biggest veins at the time. And the guy made millions of dollars. Now, the owner, the original owner found out about that and he, of course, was sick that he gave up that soon. And instead of um, becoming bitter, he became better and he opened up an insurance company back then 
and n- decided he would never quit anything again and became one of the leading sales people for the insurance company. And he ended up making millions of dollars. So um, it doesn't always work that way, but it works that way. So anyway, to fast forward to today, this guy wrote a book called Three Feet from Gold. And I'm getting to the story in the book. Every He ended up being put in places to meet some very successful people, extremely successful people. And one of them just happened to be Truett Cathy, who was the founder of Chick-fil-A. And, um, but anyway, every successful person he met, he um, was asked a question from them, what can I do to serve you? And uh, he, it was, he was blown away by it because here he was this guy that needed a lot of help in life and business. And everyone he met who was multi-multi-millionaires um, would ask him the question, what can I do to serve you? And when, when, uh, when we start out, we're all about serving people, but somehow we get too comfortable. Remember, the, uh, Zig Ziglar said, uh, you can get anything you want out of life if you help enough people get what they want. And when you think that way, you don't have to be in the limelight. You, you don't have to be the main focus. You really put, you put others in the limelight and you focus on helping others. And when you do that, things change. Uh, your leadership style could change. It could change from the kind of leader you are to servant leadership today. It could change. Putting other people first, serving them. And um, it's, it's a great way. Boy, it's, it's like freeing. It's freedom. When you, when you put other people first and you put other people ahead of you, and I'm talking about the people who work for you, um, when you give them the um, attention or you give, uh, give them the credit, uh, it, it makes a big difference in your, in your life, in their life, and in your business. It's a win-win-win, okay? Number four is you, have a, uh, you end up having a higher turnover rate uh, than normal. Uh, guilty. Again, I'm guilty of all these. And, uh, you know, if you can't admit, I talked about this last week, if you can't admit your mistakes, you're going to have a hard time in business. Drop the ego, get over it, make mistakes, learn from them and move on. Because if your team doesn't see you making mistakes, they're going to be even more afraid to make mistakes. And I tell people all the time around here, if you don't make mistakes, you're not making things happen. But I, I'm guilty of going through a stage where we had a high turnover rate. It's and it starts with me. Even though, uh, you know, some of the some of the guys that we that have left, they were worth leaving. Trust me. Some of the guys that have left were worth keeping. Trust me. And um, even though they might not have had anything against me personally, and they appreciated, you know, me starting the business and me. Um, uh, providing jobs and all that stuff, the management team below me, um, I, I didn't keep my hand on the pulse. And um, they either turned off or ticked off people and people would leave. And um, now now the good news about that is that some of those are salvageable. A lot of times people leave because they're influenced 
by someone else. You know, if, if you work with someone day in and day out and they're constantly basically chewing on your ear about leaving, we got to get out of here, this place sucks. Look at what they're doing. They're constantly pointing out all the negative. Eventually, that person's going to be influenced and they're going to leave. That's why if someone's, if I find out someone's extremely negative or if I let my leadership team know or I hear that someone's extremely negative, we split up that team. Because I don't want someone working with them day in and day out because is it easier to pull someone up and lift them up or is it easier to pull someone down? Well, it's been proven time and time again that it's easier to pull someone down. And I don't want people to be pulled down. So you've, you've, we've got to fix the person who's extremely negative. And if we don't get to them first and they happen to leave and pull that other person out, that other person is, say, you can save that. You can save that person, but you've got to get to them. You've got to bring them in and you've got to basically be up front. We dropped the ball. Here's what happened. We dropped the ball. If you're willing to stay, we're, will, we're willing to make this change. Give us a shot. Stay 30, 60 days. If you don't notice a difference, you can walk out of here. We understand. I've saved a handful. We've saved a handful of people that way. It's been proven that a lot of people leave because of relationships with coworkers or the front manager. So if a leader's not doing good at training managers to be managers, they're going to have a problem. Remember, folks, everything starts at the top. If there's a problem in my business, it's my fault. And if you don't think that way, I challenge you to absorb that a little bit think about it. But any problem within McAfee Heating and Air is Greg McAfee's fault. I take full responsibility for it, whether I touched it or not. Sometimes it's because I didn't touch it. Sometimes it's because I didn't train properly. Uh, team members become either stagnant or worse, they form a bad attitude. And again, I'll go back to that's 100% of the leader's fault. It starts at the top and trickles down. We must teach our leadership team to sense and look for and then nip this much quicker than we do today. You've got to have a sense of, I think I read this last week, Harvey Firestone said he could walk in the front door of any factory and walk out the back door and tell you how high a spirit the, the uh, workers have. So if your management team is not getting out, or you, if you're a smaller company, uh, you know, less than 10, if you're not getting out and, and, and sensing and talking to, uh, to find out how um, your employees think, um, you're, you're going to have a challenge and they're going to become stagnant or they're going to get a bad attitude and then eventually they're going to want to leave. But we've got to train people to see this. I I did have um, I have a knack of seeing reading faces well, expressions, maybe catching a phrase or two and go, hmm, that didn't sound like them. Something's wrong. So I will have their manager. I think you need to talk to so and so and make sure everything's good because what I heard did not sound like them. And sure enough, ninety percent of the time something was wrong. Whether it was wrong at home or wrong at here, something was wrong. You've got to look for those things. 
If you're not looking for those things, they're, you're going to be disappointed really fast. And number six, John Maxwell's favorite quote, or my favorite quote of John Maxwell, I should say, is uh, he who thinks he leads but has no followers is only taking a walk. Think about that. Um, we might have a title of leader, and we might we might have CEO on our door or president on our door or founder on our door. Um, but if we don't have the respect of our team, uh, we're only taking a walk. And if we say, charge, and nobody's with us, we're only taking a walk, maybe a run in that case. And I, I, I want to end with uh, a couple things. You cannot lead people without loving them. That, that's something else I got from John Maxwell. I've, re- I've read most of his books. I've, I've got to meet him a couple times. I got to be in on a group of, of less than 80 people and just him for two to three days. And, and I've, so I've learned a lot about him. He's the guru of leadership. And uh, he is a great guy, and I've, I've learned a lot from him. Um, but you know, you've got to be able to lead. You can't lead people without loving them. And um, there's a couple levels of leadership that you, you have to possess, and that is genuine love for people. Um, and as a leader, we need to make those who work with us successful. I say this often, I provide an atmosphere where everyone can succeed. If I don't, I'm not doing my job. There there should be, I put no cap on income. Within reason, I put no cap on income. You can make as much as you want. You do more, you make more. You think more, you make more. You think outside the box, you'll make more outside the box. Love people more than procedures. Don't get stuck on all your procedures. Just love people and and things will happen and your company will grow and prosper. And make sure you do the win-win. And at McAfee, we talk about the win-win-win. It's got to be a win for the employee. It's got to be a win for the customer. And it's got to be a win for the company. And we we try to do that multiple ways. Include others in your journey. It's bring others in your journey. Don't don't be a lone ranger here. We, we, there's no room for a lone ranger in your business. And like I talked about earlier, deal wisely with uh, difficult people. We've learned, and I'm going to tell you how I learned this. I said I would get back to what we're doing here. Um. I, I've invested over $125,000 in the last six months or so in a um, style of leadership, a different style of leadership than I have today That's that I had six months ago, I should say, um, called Transformational Leadership. Uh, it's a class that I took. Uh, Ford Taylor is the founder of, of this. There's many, there's many, if you Google transformational leadership, you'll find all kinds of stuff. But if you Google transformational leadership under Ford Taylor, then you'll see what we, what we took and what it's all about. But 
It's called TL, and um, you know you have to leave the you have to leave the past to find the future. And I had to leave what worked for me all those years of management no longer works like it did. So I had to make a change. In order in, in order to leave the past, I have to find the future. And for us, the future is transformational leadership. I've invested $125,000, and by the time it's all said and done, it'll probably be around $175,000. And my son, Travis, who has one of his degrees is in education, volunteered to become certified to teach. And this week, he's taught four uh, small group classes, the first lesson of transformational leadership, and it's an eight to nine hour day. Um, so we've invested a lot into this of nine to 10 people at a time. And um, we're, we're into it. We're making a change. It, it's, it's how we, it's how we, um, it's thinking different. It's, it's finding better ways to handle problems, encouraging people more, empowering people more, and um, it just makes sense. And so far it's working very well. Now, it's hard. There's nothing easy about change. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it again. Nothing easy about it. It's hard. It it makes sense. It works. But that doesn't mean it's easy. So think about that with your team, with your leadership style. Is it time to make a change? And I just gave you at least six plus reasons why it could be time to make a change. So before we wrap up, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe below. You can also support this podcast by rating and reviewing on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Keep listening because it's going to, this kind of stuff we talked about today, especially, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your team's life for the better in and outside of work. It's going to make you sleep better at night because things are going well and you're not laying there staring and worrying all night. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Greg McAfee Show. No spaces, no underscores. And be sure to tune in next week when we're going to talk more about the win-win-win, how your team can win, how your customer can win, and how your company can win. As always... Thanks for listening and have a great day.